This is Sat Your Day Radio. This is Tom Sachs. Keep your dick on the ice. <laughs> this is Brother Fella Ransom Kuti. This is one time I would like to say a few things. Men are born, kings are made, treaties are signed, wars are fought. Every country has its own problems, so has Nigeria, so has Africa. Let us bind our wounds and live together in peace. Nigeria, one nation indivisible. Long live Nigeria. All right, this is Saturday Radio, episode 34, and we're here with Tom Sachs. What's going on? How are you feeling? Hi, feeling good. good My name's NKNX. Abar. Good yeah. to meet you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, no, well, thanks for having us here at your studio, actually. We just, you know, came in here. That's what we're doing, the interview. So why don't you describe where, where we're at right now? All right, so we're on Center Street in Lower Manhattan. You can hear it's rush hour traffic. got we've got a full house we've got a bunch of people in the audience yeah we got trevor we got arnold nabil wes and drew and josh and uh josh is the engineer there you go and we've also got napoleon the dog i'm just chilling out and monkey the cat also chilling under <laughs> the heat lamp <laughs> some french fries like some 10 year old french fries and uh, we're in my, my my studio, which is my sac- the part of my studio that we call sacred space, which is um, where I do a lot of my thinking. This is this um, uh, 36 inch uh, Verde marble table that that I've had in this spot for 28 years, and um, this is sort of where I do a lot of my thinking. So it's good that we're all sitting around here talking. Yeah. Yeah, and again, thank you for having us here. And staff here is super hospitable. Absolutely, yeah. Really we cool. Got a little quick tour. Yeah. I'm just so surprised how huge this space is. This like is a lot to take in. Yeah. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. This is the table that in, in 10 Bullets that is Windexed. There's a s- in, the movie in the movie 10 Bullets, which is required that you all, s- you guys have seen it. Right. Absolutely. Your listeners yeah. haven't. Yeah. And this is uh, in sacred space is the table that's always Windexed. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So why don't we get started? Um, real quick, uh, introduce yourself and kind of what you do right now. So I'm, my name is Tom Sachs. I'm, I'm 51 and a half years old. I make sculpture, but we also do all kinds of other things, um, like movies. I have a hobby that's industrial design, and we make paintings. Uh, and uh, work hard on our own homemade rituals, like the tea ceremony and the space program. Uh, and you can learn about a lot of those stuff, a lot of those projects on the website, tomsacks.com, and uh, you can even see the movies that we made about those, about those projects on tomsacks.com or tenbullets.com. And we even make zines to, to tell the story of some of those projects. 
so like when, before and, I told everyone to come, I actually and, and and sorry, and also we do exhibitions in art galleries and in museums around the world. That's how you can see our work, and then, but mostly, you can see it also on YouTube. And that's uh, that's all done out of where we're based right now. Yeah, so everything that you've seen has been made in this room. Mm -hmm. Sick. So before everyone came, I actually told them not to wear the color purple because uh, it's forbidden. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I know that everyone is wearing a black T-shirt except for me and Trevor. <laughs> and I really appreciate that because black is the queen of color. Right, right. There you go. This is the Saturday uniform. <laughs> it's good. You guys look You guys look. Tough. Well, why not the color purple? It purple is the, the, is the color of kings, and you really have to have your shit together to wear purple. Like, purple is the easiest color to fuck up and overuse. Well, that's not what I thought it was. I thought you just didn't like the purple for like personal reasons, not because it actually like. There is no bad color in the full spectrum. There are only bad applications and bad shades. So purple is the most luxurious color. Purple is exactly between red and blue on the spectrum. And that's a very powerful position. It's one of the three secondary colors. You know, the other two are uh, green and orange. And I, you know, I, and I, and I'm very particular about the shades of green and and orange is a very s is a sacred color in the studio. It's the only color. It's a native color. We don't use orange paint because there's so much orange stuff around between the 3M hot glue gun and the Hermes packaging and the Con Ed barriers and duct tape and extension cords. And my clipboard case is, is a lot of there's a lot of orange. Um, green is really pretty much OD7, olive drab seven. The, the the color of the most beautiful trees in New England, um, uh, and uh, that's the that's the that's the Nazi killing color. That's the color that we developed during World War II. So, um, and then you know, again to circle back to purple, why not purple? It's it's just a, a it's a tough color to get right, and uh, instead of struggling to find that right tone we just omit it and, the, the, and there's no real application in our indus industrial practice that that calls for it we have a need to do it yet i'm sure there'll come a time mm -hmm. right i mean I, w I know but from high school like in mesopotamia i believe they actually formed the color purple just for royalty for the sake of you know kings and queens like that was like the actual purpose of it and no one else was actually allowed to wear it so it was a forbidden in that sense see yeah so i didn't even invent this this yeah. is old <laughs> <Mesopotamia>. <laughs> yeah. and and i think that's right i think there's a connection with that i mean i think what is it the purple and yellow is a football team the lakers no, also well, no basketball the that's the vikings vikings yeah Football's Vikings. And isn't there a team from New Orleans that uses those colors? Oh, my. oh yeah. Okay. And anyway, so, you know, there's a reason why these, and, and very often you'll see a primary and secondary color go, to, to go together. Um, Christmas is. Reds, greens. Red, red and, and green. green. Yeah. Red and green. You know, New York Mets. Blues, orange, yeah. Blue and orange. Uh -huh. So it's a thing. There's like there's no other color that goes really well with purple. Right. That's like the Lakers color is like perfect. Mm -hmm. I've seen it done with red before, and that's like the only way. Red and purple. Yeah, it's it's really out there, really bold, sort of like yeah. a Joker type of look. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> to do. I have a pair of 
Those Kobe Lakers, I have a pair of those Kobe's, and they're really cool. I mean, they're stupid, insecure shoes, but they <laughs> were beautiful, the colorways on those. I love them. I miss them. We get those again. Well, I wa- let's um, get into some background with you. What, what, what's some of the first jobs you've had? So the first job like I ever your first had? paying job. My first paying job was I had two jobs. The first job was I was Rita Engelbart's assistant at the Remarkable Bookstore in Westport, Connecticut. I was in, uh, she was the the display manager and I was her assistant and her job was to uh, or my job was to arrange the stuffed animals in the bookstore into cute little families based on size <laughs> rather than <laughs> species <laughs> and she uh, is just kind of like a mentor to me I was probably like 13, 14 um, how to make things look good she was very influential. And then the next job I had was working at the Big Top Shop hamburger restaurant on the Post Road, also in Westport. Now that location is now a McDonald's. Before that was like a mom-pop hamburger place. That's one of the reasons I'm so resentful of McDonald's is because they erased the Big Top, which was the first place that I made real money. And um, I had gained sort of economic independence through just being able to pay for stuff myself instead of relying on my family. And... and I, my job was cleaning. Uh, I'd go around, get all the plastic trays, and bring them to the kitchen, and like hose them off, or sweep up in the parking lot, or else. Um, was this like a high school job? It was like high school after school, but then it was like all summer for a couple of summers, like summer job, and then um, I'd also have to like take the guts out of the chicken and pre- remove the fat, mm. prepare it for the for the kitchen staff. I was not able to like use the fryer or anything but then it was also the place where I first scored LSD and when I was 15 that was a big eye-opener because it really opened my mind into a, a world right. of possibilities <laughs> I took my mom's car and w- 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 like drove around like and the, you ever see the movie The Ice Storm I haven't no no I haven't seen movie. some of you listeners have, have, have seen it and that's exactly what it was like where I grew up I was the kid with a whip destroying the plants and my mom was scorning me okay we have to watch that now Glad it's on the list, yeah. So um, I also remember like listening to another interview of yours. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but you worked on um, elevators, and I found out I found that I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, what was that? What do you? So, thirty years ago, I moved to this spot, and the landlord of the building, um, you know, I didn't really have enough money to pay the rent. I didn't like, and I asked him if he needed any help, and so he hired me as a welder and I would repair elevators and fire escapes and do all this non-union scab welding because I was like literally right out of college and I knew how to operate a welder and I had one and I was not afraid to climb a seven-story building and with a welder and plug it in and fix stuff and I did that for 20 years and there's still one day of the year and if someone asks me on that day to do a job, I will take that job, but only that job, only that day. Like when I say a job, I mean like a metal working mm. job. And I've done so, I've done endless welding, steel fabrication. So to this day, if someone asks you on that day, on that day, yeah. the mysterious day, yeah. <laughs> I will do that job. And it's just, it's important to stay connected to, you know, 
still do metal work in my sculpture. It's not really the priority anymore, but I, you know, I've gotten away from it, but it's still part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at the sculpture, you'll see all kinds of connections with construction work at the point, all, all the trades. Mm -hmm. I don't like sheetrock. I don't fuck with sheetrock. Why? I don't either. It's so, it's so shitty. It's garbage. It's fake plaster. I mean, it's cheap and fast, and I've done it, and I've used it, but I try and avoid it. I have it in the, in the where I live now, but I my last apartment that I built from scratch had no sheetrock, and I was really kind of happy with that, mm -hmm. using real plaster. But it's it's like prohibitively expensive, so you kind of have to use it. Right. Yeah. I was gonna say, There's no sheetrock in anywhere in the studio, though. It's all plaster and wood and metal. Yeah, I was gonna say, what do you use besides? Because sheetrock, plywood. plywood. So our uh, we replace sheetrock with with plywood that's been painted white. That's our fake sheetrock. Mm -hmm. And you see the screws. So I mean, there's really not a lot around the wainscoting, but like there, that see that white panel of foam around it, that above the brick. With the exposed brick, yeah. That little rectangular panel. That is plywood, covering up some pipes. It sort of adds like a bit more character to it, honestly. Well, it shows that you know it's, it gets better with age, where sheetrock only gets worse. Sheetrock looks like sh yeah shit. It, when you when you fuck with sheetrock, it just it like crumbles and gets yeah. like cocaine all over your. Face. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah. And it's 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 cardboard coated cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> And that's like not okay. It's, 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 it's a brick, <laughs> literally a brick. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you say? Uh, plywood is your favorite medium to use when you're working. You know, if steel is the king of building materials, plywood is the queen. And, but it it seems like you use a lot more plywood, or do you usually and use as opposed to steel? Yeah, it's just a lot easier, quicker to work with. Right. And stronger by weight maybe I don't know mm -hmm. and what what about plywood like makes you use it so much and I think it's it's you know plywood is a sandwich a delicious wooden sandwich and through its cross grain construction it has superior strength over woods similar woods of of, of woods of, of almost any variety once you figure that out, that you're like, oh, like ply, why haven't I been using plywood like for everything? And I, I, I don't think I could. You know, there was a time when I just couldn't. I didn't really have the the money for it. I was, my first right. plywood, I would pull out of dumpsters, and then I started making plywood. I, I worked for an architect, and I made these chairs that we're sitting in. Th these are these are custom made plywood chairs. Oh wow! Wow. Um, so when did you make these? I oh, I made these in in. Um, 1998 in Santa Monica, California, for an architect named Frank Gehry. And they're very, very they're sturdy, though, also. Yeah. And they're seven layers of 132nd inch um, maple veneer squished together, glue in between. That's a, that is what that is a form of plywood. Right. I was also recently just watching like how an Eames chair was like created, and um, I was just really fascinated that it was plywood. So, another point um, as far as like the, the, ch the chair itself is that 
people valued it as too high because they felt as though plywood is a cheap wood. So possibly from like the artist himself, and you know, and how he created the chair, like it created that value. Um, what do you think? Like, what's your thoughts on what? on the on the chair, like the like the Eames chair, like yeah. Well, I mean, those are huge inspiration. Those yeah. are those are industrially made. Those are one of the most successful industrially made chairs that are that are beautiful. Mm. I mean, they're they're the best. I love Eames. Um, I think there are few artists who have had a greater impact on on me and everything, not just plywood, but the way they make their movies. I think yeah. the movies that Van Neistat and I make together are, in a way, derived from the work of the Eames. Mm -hmm. What would you say you, so we talked about kind of what you work on, the materials you work on, your past a little bit. So what would you say you truly love about what you do currently? Like, what is it about what you do that makes you wake up every day? And what, is it, what do you like the most about what you're doing currently? Is it the thought process? Is it actually working on things physically? I, I just feel like lucky and blessed that I get to wake up every day and do what I'm really good at, which is make stuff. We have a team of 12 people that work here, and sometimes that brings up some other challenges. I don't get to have my, my hands don't get to be as dirty as uh, they used to. But we're also, we've also got a whole space program. And we've got a team that where it's sort of like a teaching hospital where we're able to achieve more together than we can as an individual. Um, so I'll spend a lot of time today, I'll today I'm talking to you. Um, but that's why I work seven days a week. So on the weekends and there's no one around that can actually touch materials. And also like with the um, hiring process, like yeah. um, it's very unorthodox, I would say. Why do you say that? Uh, just so, we're so like I saw your, like your recent Instagram post and it yeah. was like very specific and I found it really interesting. And so like, do you, can you like chime in on like why you do uh, such a process? Yeah, almost yeah. a little strict from looking at the 10 bullets. It seems very, not strict, but in the sense of just like very specific on certain things. Yeah, well, I, there yeah. are a lot of people, there are a lot of fish in the sea. I don't want to fuck around with, I don't want to waste your time or mine. Yeah. If you don't like it, the way I do it, you can like seriously go fuck yourself and work with someone else. And that's right. fine. Like it's not, we work here because we love it. We don't work here for the weekends. We work here for, we, you know, we say TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. <laughs> and um, we're not working for the weekend. And we're really trying to focus and consider each moment um, to be sacred. And, you know, maybe it's easy to say because I'm the boss. And maybe if you ask some of the people on the team here, you might think that you'll get a different response because I get all the credit and all the blame and I got the extra money and I pay the bills and I'm responsible for the debt and keeping that tightrope. Um, but there's an undeniable truth that regardless if you're your own boss or you work on a team or you work for someone else, and I like to think that we're a team here that I lead, the, your time and your moment, like this moment right here, belongs to you. And whether that means you're cleaning a toilet for yourself or because you work at a university and your job is to clean the toilet so that students can learn and make the world a better place, you're part of that team. And your moment in cleaning that toilet belongs to you. And it might be the most humble job at the university if you consider 
don't know, some professor on the other end or something, or the dean or something. But it's all part of the team, and that moment, every stroke of your hand, every moment belongs to you, and, and how you choose to think about that. Like, this is an epiphany that I had when I was a janitor, and I was I had, I had just moved to New York, and I had taken kind of like a pay cut, and I ha it was also like a, a way below my skill level. I was way overqualified, but I just needed a job that day. And I thought, I'm going to be the best fucking janitor that I can be. And I was talking to my crew, of which I was part of. I was not the leader. And he said, man, you're working too hard. You're making us all look bad. And I said, what the fuck is wrong with you? Do your job or get out. You know what? I, actually, you know what? I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to be your boss. And they, like, they hated me. But they just were like shitty at their job. They, they weren't dedicated to it. And I, w and I wanted to do a good job. You know, and, and, and when I had that moment, an incredible sense of freedom because it meant that like I could enjoy that clean, that toilet, making that toilet shine instead of doing the absolute shittiest job possible, which I had done plenty of times before. So I've done both. And I, I know that there's you know, the, the only thing you can control is your frame of mind your state of mind and your attitude that you take towards something. I mean, this is, I've, you know, heard prisoners talk about this. This is like a way of having a sense of freedom in a place where you're physically incarcerated. Right. They could, they could mm -hmm. trap your body, but not your mind. Huh? They could trap your body, but not yeah, your mind, no, yeah. That's easy for me to say. I'm in a place of extreme privilege to say it. But, w you know, there are people in places of privilege who are in the prisons of their own mind. Have you say? Would you say you've had bosses in the past that expected that as much as you expect your staff out of you? Meaning, like, you've had a job in the past, and the boss in the past has expected as much as you expect from your staff currently. Yeah, sure. I think when I was making this w this furniture, there was like zero. T you know, I was aware of the, like how. I had a good boss who would tell me how precise to be. You don't need to be more precise than a certain amount. And lots of good communication about that. So, yeah, I've definitely, I've had good role models of work, what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, my family, working for working around the house and, like, understanding the standards that we had to meet. Mm -hmm. And what would you say? I remember when I was working in a kitchen and later another job, I was working as a dishwasher. And my boss said, to me, you don't clean these as if you're cleaning them from your mom. Just kind of clean them a little faster. I'm like, you want me to do them a little bit like not as clean? And she's like, yeah, they're just gonna get dirty again anyway. Oh no! And I said, really? Oh. <laughs> and she said, yeah, we have to move faster. And I was like, okay. And I remember being a little confused by that because I only knew how to do it perfectly. Right. And it was the w if that. And why was would you want to do it the opposite way? Or just because it was faster, but then right. you know the the way I looked at it was like the dishes kept coming. It was Sisyphean, ta Sisyphean mm. task with dishwashing. I'm a, have you all been dish? Have you ever been a dishwasher? Yes, yeah. I haven't. You, have you? Any have you dishwasher? Yeah. Okay. So like dishwasher is a job that a lot of people in my life have had. Like you know, half the people in this room have been dishwashers. More than half, actually. Right. Two. <laughs> three-fifths of the go. people in this room have been <laughs> dishwashers. So it's a thing that a lot of people have experience with, and you know that it just never fucking ends. Like, you're not really rewarded for going fast. Not you can never catch up. But there's also something really, like, peaceful about it, and just, you know, it's just, it, it always gave me a moment to think. Yeah. 
and that's what I really loved about it. Like from like the steam, it, it's sort of like a sauna, but it's like you're not really enjoying it. And it's important. <laughs> you know? It's an important job. <laughs> it's yeah. it's someone has to do it's, it. It's a team player job. It's definitely like the defense of <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. It's the bot. It's the it's the ba- the the ba- the front line or that's not the front line. Back it's of house. Back of yeah. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, that definitely speaks a lot on like you know you as a person like your ethics like you know very ethical in that sense so it speaks a lot you know you really took time to like clean a dish properly i really believe you know if you can't do something simple you can't do something big you know right. so that definitely does speak a lot yeah it's a great metaphor i mean that's why we we have all these tasks in the studio that are sort of all about humility that are that are really simple that are all just keeping things repetitious uh, repetitious tasks is a form of meditation uh, and that's something that we uh, I'm always looking to make sure that the work always has a lot of um, tedium in it a lot of rep- things you do over and over again driving a thousand screws into, th- into something mm-hmm. wood burning the same line over and over again because through that repetition it becomes you know first of meditation but also at the end you get this incredible achievement like wouldn't it be great if you could see all the dishes stacked up that you did at the end of that something you don't get to see in dishwashing but you do get to appreciate the very moment uh, of cleaning but i think that's like it's a metaphor for anything i gotta say one of my biggest challenges i don't know if that's a question coming up but is is maintaining that sense with management it's much more difficult with washing dishes you you have like this this physicality this Mm -hmm. touch it's with your body with management, it's it's much trickier. There are greater risks. You're managing other people's psychology and their feelings, and I'm not very patient. So, that's so what would you say is like your favorite failure? And I, I know that may sound weird, yeah. but yeah, yeah. there's so always a failure that drives you to so to push. I, I made this sculpture, and it was like. I was making a sculpture of the atomic bomb that was dropped in Nagasaki. Do you know this story? Yeah. Heard this? Yeah, I've heard it. So I've actually heard it, heard it this morning. I could tell it. All right, go <laughs> on. Go <laughs> on. Please, save me. It was the atomic bomb, and I I remember you, I think, mentioning that there was – it was one of the first projects, I believe, that you weren't – it was like it had to be perfect, and you didn't want it to be perfect, or you wanted to add a touch, your own touch to it, and the outside was like too smooth, and you worked too hard on trying to make it perfect, but the more perfect you try to make it, the more flaws you saw in it. And then the inside of the bomb was, uh, it was a, like a house set up or something, it was like a TV, and you said something was playing on the TV, I don't remember what was playing on the TV. What was it? A bunch of things. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, that was it, and then, um, I forgot what the – why was I saying that? Well, so the, the, the <laughs> failure was – Oh, yeah, that was the – that was your your favorite failure, I guess. Or that was, like, one of the ones that stood out that kind of was a turning point for you, for your work. Yeah, to summarize, I had, made, I, had, I had attempted to make a perfect thing. And the more I worked on it, the more I sanded away my work, the more li- I'd see these tiny little flaws. And I was just picking and picking and picking and finding little flaws. And – I realized at the beginning when I just made the rough form, it was kind of more perfect because it, it, it was perfect in that it was, in, it was in imperfect. 
it was flaw and that had integrity like that and you could see how it was made but as i started to paint over all that and sand it smooth you could s see the little bubbles coming through and the flaws and i would sand them and it was it was endless and i didn't have enough time to finish it before i had to show the piece i had to make a decision and i and it was a mistake if i had just shown it a little bit rougher i think it would have been a better expression of me and who who i i was as an individual so you know for this this phone iphone is the if the supercomputer that's in every one of our we all have one of these in our pocket best thing ever there's no evidence that a human being was involved in making this it looks like it was made by a robot as you can't see just perfect seams incredible craftsmanship um and uh i could never achieve that I, I could command people in China to achieve it for me. Yeah. But as an individual, I could never achieve it. And Apple can never make anything as shitty as one of my ceramic cups or one of my sculptures. That's that when I say shitty, I mean flawed and transparent and shows screws and, and glue drips and cum stains and marks. And that's the huge advantage that someone like me or any of us has over industry is his or her ability to, to express themselves transparently yeah show that human mark yeah. kind of in a sense right especially now we're seeing especially with like the disruption of like technology everything just sort of seems perfect in a way from social media yeah. to amazon the giant and how they're able to like ship a package to me in two days so i, I just feel as though like we're, we're missing that human factor and then like also with human error there is also perfection in that as well like, I remember one time for myself I was playing piano at a recital and I was playing a Beethoven piece and it was something that I needed to like really play and I was in front of a bunch of people in a huge audience and I messed up on a key but I really like wanted to be perfect about it but then after that like my Every, everyone in the crowd was like it was amazing they, they didn't notice I was like an octave off or anything yeah. you know like I played the wrong chord but to me, it's just like I kind of scolded myself because I wanted it to be right. It was, it was probably like my first recital or something like that. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you still play? I do. Oh still good. do. Yeah. You still play Beethoven? Yeah. Or? Well, not Beethoven, but I, th I never really loved it. I just kind of wanted to move forward and do my own thing. It was interesting because the theory was necessary, and I see why I had to learn the theory. But from the jump I just wanted to compose I wanted to make my own music yeah. you know the people I used to look up to so that's what I wanted to do not mimic another right. artist or yeah. do you do you play any instruments you know I I, I don't and I'm like it's a, a great shame that I don't there are all these things I'm embarrassed about like that I don't play instruments and I keep thinking I, sh I really want to get a piano and I asked a friend you know he's like what kind of keyboard to get like, well, if you want to learn a piano, you should get a piano. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to make that commitment. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about getting like a little like electronic. Yeah, I started off with a Yamaha actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Yamaha. It's a sixty-six key electric keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first one. So I was gonna, I was thinking about learning because I, I heard this amazing song, Moaning, Moaning. Do you know that song? Moaning by. Mingus did it, but that's. That's like a hard one. It's like a, it's a, it's a standard. It's uh, you've heard it. I know I'm going to play it. Can I play it? Yeah, let's do it. And then 
Mingus definitely did it, but it's um, the one I'm thinking is is like Art Blakey. simple but it's but then it's like possibly complicated <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's actually just chords that was only yeah. chords yeah and that was actually the really easiest thing to play easy, easy yeah piece? honestly yeah because like once you just sort of know <laughs> the chords like you're just playing around and then you can also you start developing an ear for it but you, you can, can do that it is weird because you start knowing exactly what key they played, like C major, because you're just so used to it. It's like, you know, rudimentary. Like when you're just playing it, it just becomes like a habit. Like you develop that skill. Yeah, and, and that's why they say like to learn to know the piano, you can then play any other instrument because it's like a foundation. Right. Yeah. Like so that chords. literally yeah. is the inspiration for you wanting to play piano, yeah. like that song yeah. right there. But I want to get like, yeah, like a Yamaha electric keyboard or something. Not, I don't. Th- I, my friend was like, you got, got to get either like a piano or a Wurlitzer or a Nord. But those are like expensive, yeah. big. Yeah. I think you have to earn those things. Exactly. Exactly. Thinking. Yeah. Something like a recital. I was playing on a Baldwin, and that was like an honor because it was like the keys were heavy and it was a real, it was a real deal, you know. Right. So like, the Yamaha I had wasn't weighted, so I wasn't even used to it. I was pushing down to the keys and it was. No sound was coming out. Because I was not used to it. Yeah. Like, you're literally hitting, like, an ivory key. It's just, like, you know. It's a really used force. Right. right. Yeah, really used force. Would you have time to practice on it? I had to practice. I had no choice, but I was just, like, I have to hit those keys. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. As if I was, but like, they must have it. some. They're probably really expensive, like, fake weighted. Yeah. I have it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They do. Yeah. They do. But they're, I'm sure they're expensive. Like oh, absolutely. Because yeah. it's to mimic the real. So, yeah. obviously, yeah, yeah, you're playing. You're playing with. And it's just also more convenient to like you know you can switch around the sounds and everything you can get a synthesizer, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so actually, on the topic of music, it's funny. I was interested in finding out that you used to that you DJ, or you're you have that skill under your belt. I don't know. I mean, anyone who's got an iPhone is a DJ, right? And and it's a no. photographer. No, 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 no. Don't. <laughs> we're not going there. Well, I'm, but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, but I'm not a jockey. I'm I'm a selector. Curate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because like there is a difference. Yeah. There is, a, but people, yeah. but well, people you need don't like crossfading and like, you know, scratching and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. That's like that's an instrument. That's skill. Yeah. And I don't. I mean, I. I have done it, but I can't do that like live. But I just think of uh, there's people that are, and I guess my generation they they they're good at or they believe they're good at music selecting, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh. But I could be a DJ, or I'm a good DJ because I'm a good music selector. So there is that. I think it's it's an art, but it's it's, it's like anything else. It takes a lot of preparation. I think it's like, I don't know, four or eight hours of prep to do a one-hour set is what I would is what I would do. It depends. For me, if it's a big show. Yeah. For <laughs> anything, I mean, yeah, just right. to like to be to be on your game and confident. Right. And also, I'm all fucked up now with this. 
iTunes were that guy. I was so invested in my organization. I had everything organized in iTunes, and then they reformat it, and it's like all... I don't know where any of it is. Yeah, it's Put the so worst, much yeah. energy into yeah. it. Yeah. I just yeah. put it in a playlist now. Just throw it in there. I know. Shuffle. Yeah. Smack go. But that means that you're giving up on DJing. I guess so. You <laughs> could, you, I mean, you could put it that way, I guess. And but what would, what was uh, some of the the music you like playing, or what's kind of, what what would be your favorite, in a dream set? What would be like? I just did. I did a po- podcast. Um, I don't know if it's out yet. For Apple Radio, with Mike B from the Beastie Boys, oh and, wow. and that's coming out. It might even be out now or soon. And it's a pretty eclectic mashup. I think he was really confused by it, or else he thought I was like an idiot or something. Oh, so you're DJing in that? Yeah, I oh okay. DJed like with him. I don't even remember what I. Pl- I mean, I think I played like. Lee Perry, Al Green, Dillinger, Jonathan Richman, Minor Threat, Public Enemy, um, Chance the Rapper. Um, I don't remember what else. <laughs> this is like that was yeah. like those are things yeah. I could remember that I that was like the last set that I played. Yeah. It, to me, that sounds like a really eclectic set. Like <laughs> I, I would I would prefer to listen to something that. In that nature, and se- over something that's more so like maybe a top forty selected songs, and that's personally my opinion. Yeah. Well, I think you, when it's when it's eclectic, you can hear them all better. When it's all like if you listen to like five hip hop songs in a row, like my mind isn't. Um, I don't have the ref- the refinement to discern between them. I get all like uh, like my brain gets tired. I don't have the refinement or or. Um, or uh, endurance to handle it. I find, but if I listen to different kinds of music, I can use different parts of my brain experience, like a rest. I also kind of like, like to listen to one song at a time. Yeah. And that's why I like the, like the selector style of like one, al- one turntable at a time, which comes from poverty, from being able to only afford one turntable at a time, but yep. also playing a song and then playing another song mm-hmm. and then maybe playing a third song and maybe toasting in between I think we should expect some more DJ sets from you hopefully I, hope so. I, hope so. <laughs> I would love to I mean and what kind of music do you listen to aside from DJing just on the daily what, I what, think what that we're living in the golden age of hip hop and people who like aren't getting that are missing this insane it's incredible what's going on now i can't even keep up there's mm-hmm. so much good stuff going on now right who who are you listening to well i mean like obviously frank oceans and like is insane and i'm i i think that chance is amazing and i love um uh i'm like kind of drawing a blank um tyler the creator is he's like just good vibes and um i love my boy tokyo and (laughs) (laughs) you know tokyo yeah and um 
I don't know. There's just so many. I'm Kanye, you know. There's so many great, you know. Even Jay Z is still, like. I mean, he's still a great artist. He's still st- very relevant and making great yeah, music. Yeah, and like that, four 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 record, which I haven't been able to hear because I don't know where I can listen to it. I have to like sign up from some service. It's like impenetrable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, think you, I think it may be on Apple. On is Apple it? Music. I mean, now. Yeah. By now it, it might should be. be. Yeah, but. More than anyone, of course, Queen B, Beyonce is like she's kind of like she's she's our still our first lady in my view, even though she's not in office anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, she, you know what she's done and like her what she's done with her life and how she's managed the. Her husband's infidelity instead of divorcing him just by humiliating him by making a record ten times better than anyone that he ever did <laughs> about him being an asshole. I mean, hold up. Like, hold up alone. That one song alone makes it that, like, we're in the golden age of hip-hop. Like, one song can do that. Yeah. Do you guys know that song? I'm playing it because the audience might not. Yeah, let's hear it. But it's it's very interesting that you, you, you said that because a lot of people, I feel like, aren't admitting that. This is like it's a golden age of hip hop. It's hard because people are so stuck in their yeah, their nineties. Oh, yeah. that was it, and it's never gonna happen again. And Chris Rock said, "People, people that, um, you know what? It's not on. Is it not? I'm gonna go to YouTube. Fuck everything. YouTube's the YouTube's the king. People are into uh, the music that they were listening to when they were first getting it on. You've heard him say that, right? Yeah." And I think that's true. It's like it's 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 like connected with your soul. And so like, I think of like, that's why I mentioned Public Enemy and um, and and like Minor Threat and the Sex Pistols. Those are like the music of my adolescence. So I still mm-hmm. think of that. Um, uh, what was I thinking? Hold up. I mean, come on. This is just. Yeah, YouTube is the best though. I feel as though t- for finding any song, you can find. Yeah. Right. I also think a lot of people just aren't looking for that music too. Like, if you're looking for something that's more like lyrical, or if you're just into something in general, you're looking for, obviously, certain things are going to be promoted on the radio. That's you know going to capture people's emotion, but. You know, you know, you brought up Frank Ocean. He's definitely like an artist that's very prolific as far as. Oh, you went. <laughs> his own. Oh, yeah, is so Yes. Is it, we'll get through this in a minute, or how do I. Oh, the poetry oh, is beautiful. Like okay. Here we go. I don't even know this. I'm gonna be honest. I, I don't even know this. Why did it come out? 
This is with the, uh, with the project he's on. This is intense. So is this like leisure music for you? Or just this like th this is like what you like to listen to when you're working? Or is it just mu just what you respect in general? drugs <laughs> yeah it's like it it sometimes when i'm feeling bad i'll just take a minute and listen to a song instead of having a cigarette and it's art is um you know i make sculpture for a living that's like my job but i don't i'm not really inspired by by sculpture and painting as much as i am by that kind of art like the music and uh but yeah, I mean, I'll listen to it. There's always music. There'd be music on right now if we weren't recording. And it's, there's always listening to all kinds of different things. It's kind of hard. Actually, it's another job keeping the rhythm and the sound of, of the things flowing. I haven't kind of mastered Spotify yet. I don't even know if I've mastered iTunes. I don't even know if I've mastered CDs <laughs> <laughs> or vinyl. But um, I kind of knew my place with cassette. And CD was kind of like the beginning of the end because it was like so rich and high quality and then so unbelievably unreliable. Mm. So I still think of cassette as like my 
I'm still a cassette. I mean, it's pretty sad though. Those are, I narrowed it down to that stack up there and there's that deck, but it's the kind of, wow. you need a ladder to get it. So I guess I'm kind of a cassette poser really. <laughs> I'm going to be totally honest because I, I can't reach that without. And those are the cas the three trays. Those are, yeah, those are, that's like what I edited it. it edited my cassette collection down to there's some boxes and stuff but three trays and then the two little cardboard boxes next to it yeah what stuff's in there you think here let's look cool ah. you want to use the tray all right no no I'll, I'll get it because there's other it's gonna be an avalanche oh, no. but this will be a good Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cocteau Twins, Arvo Part, James Brown, the JBs. And um, these are all things that are not just, I'm not, I'm skipping over the ones that are like mixed for me. Meat Beat Manifesto, the original motion picture soundtrack to CB4. Brandy Newman, Land of Dreams. That's not mine. That's <laughs> garbage. Astor Piazzolla. Dead Kennedys, Beethoven, Barry Adamson, another Barry Adamson. He was in the birthday party. He did all this cool, like, fake movie music. Sly and the Family Stone, there's a riot going on, and Stand. I don't know what that is. Bad Brains, cassette-only release, and I think I have one in plastic still. Hey. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's special. Consolidated, Diana Washington, The Land of Hi-Fi. Another Meat Beat Manifesto. I don't even like them. What the fuck is that? Is that for real? Is that just... That was Dirk Westfall's tape. Drum and Bass with Ethan Brown, Atari Teenage Riot, West Coast Experimental Pop Art, Biz Marquee, all samples cleared. The Dickies, The Descendants, another Cesaria Evera. I don't even know I liked her that much. The Wall and Khan. Sid Barrett, The Madcap Laughs, Charlie Parker, Martin Denny, Brian Ferry, Tougher Than Tough, CD uh, number E and F. That's the history of Jamaican music, which is an awesome compilation. Mm. It's not on Spotify, but I have my CD of it. Somewhere back here. Um, Queen, A Night at the Opera. Rolling Stones, Undercover. I think Undercover was after they peaked. Um, I don't even know. These aren't, these aren't, this is not the best one. I'm Richard skipping. Pryor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Dr. Octagon and Cool Keith, Lenny Bruce. Joe Frank. This Mortal Coil. Shakespeare's Othello, starring Paul Robeson, Jose Ferrer, Uta Hagen, and Edith King. Paul Robeson. <laughs> the Scatolites, 
the Ramones and the Carter family. So this is not Jeez. my primo one, but this is just the one that was on top. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm putting it back That's up crazy. the shelf. Yeah, honestly, don't know a lot of that, but um. I think you know one of the. Uh, it wasn't one of my main ones. I was like, right. some of the things I wasn't remembering that much. Yeah, definitely not familiar with a lot of that. It's just, it's just something also but about like having that, that physical copy. I just feel special, you know. Yeah. I, I miss like buying a CD. Like, I, th- I think my first CD I actually purchased with my own earned money was like a Kid Cudi CD. Kid Cudi CD? Yeah, it was a Kid Cudi CD. I think it was for the Man on the Moon. Yeah. Nice. And it came with a poster, too. So, like, there was just something about it. Like, you know, you go and pre-order it and buy it. Now it just doesn't feel, like, the same, I would say. Like, that special feeling of unpackaging it, reading the booklet, and that seeing that's that, that time and energy and creativity I was put into actually creating it, that art, you know? Yeah, that's... Uh See, I remember buying my first CD. It was a big deal. It was expensive. It's a commitment. Do you remember what it was? It was Jimi Hendrix, Acts as Bold as Love. Just because I wanted something that was like I could trust. I was afraid. Because I bought so many shitty records. I still have so many crappy records that I didn't really like. Mm-hmm. And it was like hard to listen to them if you didn't know. My first was The Trinity by Sean Paul. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was my first. Nice. I have to throw that in there. Um, so we have to we have to talk about your collaboration with Nike, of course. Yeah. And um, question first one the first question I came up with when I was thinking about the shoe was: Is there anything about the shoe that you wish you have you would change now, or anything you would have done differently now that the shoe's out and you see out to the masses and people wearing it? I only wish that we'd made more of them so more people could have them. I didn't I didn't really like how elite it was and how difficult it it was for people to have them. Like none of us are wearing them. Oh, you've got them. Yeah, you've got got them. Got them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's and that's that's something that's kind of frustrating. Frustrating to me, but I love it. Love working with those guys. We do so many good projects together and I'm just very happy the way it turned out. I wouldn't really change anything. I mean, there were something went wrong on the first round, but we were able to correct it in the second round, which was great. And I was very feel very lucky to have been able to do that, the opportunity. So with the first one, the the one, it w- was it the actual uh, material, I believe? So the upper right now, it's that kind of fishnet looking. Yeah. That's polyester, and the original material was Vectran, which is ten times stronger than steel, miracle material. But if you fold it in half like a paper clip twice, it cracks. So you'd start to develop these fatigue fractures in the in the in the crystalline structure of the fabric, and it would tear. So they all fell apart, and it was supposed to be this material that was going to last forever. And we tested it in every way with abrasion and tension, and it 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 worked in every way. But we didn't test for fatigue, folding friction. No one ever thought that something would fold and fail. Some people said after the fact. Some a friend of mine who works there said. Uh, Tom, I thought it might happen, but uh, I didn't want, you know, I knew you had your heart set, and I didn't want to disappoint you. And I was like, what the fuck? Why did you do that? It's so <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> um, but it gave us the opportunity to redo it, yeah. and that was even more fun because more people got to have it. Right. To me, like, 
I off the bat, I just noticed some inspirations. Like, I believe the upper reminds me a lot of the internationalist, mm. one of the Nike models. Um, like as far as like the foxing, the uh, yeah. the toe area, yeah. you can see that. Um, and the sole, I believe it's the Nike, the tactical. It's a tactical pair. I know Special the forces, the boot. boot. Yeah, 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 that yeah. one. Yeah. So. I'm just into sneakers, so like I just knew off the bat like where the sole came yeah, from and yeah. like the upper. Like I, my sister had a pair of internationals. I put them side by side. I have a photo of it. And I like looked at it and I'm like, this is very similar. I think I know those because yeah. I think I, you know, the 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 first shoe that really inspired me for this was the Escape, mm. which is a lot like the Internationalist. I mean, back in the 80s, they were all so subtly different, right? Right. There was very very little difference, and Mark Parker my collaborator on this and and the original designer for the escape um so i'm gonna look up which one are you looking up the escape or international i'm looking at the, the international list uh, yeah i'll look up the escape yeah um i actually have them side by side oh you do yeah let's see that would you say the escape is your favorite nike shoe no mars yeah well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the escape. Okay. All right. I see. You see it? Yeah. Not just the color, yeah. but the toe thing. Right. And but. Uh, um. Yeah. I, you know what's a really cool one that I saw in a museum was the LeBron Family Guy edition. Oh man. No, I don't know that. I haven't seen that. I want to see that no. one. <laughs> got it. You got the um. You got the internationalist. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, hundred percent. That's good. Oh, they have a Nike ID. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron family guy. Oh, this is gonna be weird. So. I'm not a sneaker collector, but if I collected, I would definitely have these. Look at that. Oh, those are weird. <laughs> you know. I've never seen those, yeah. Yeah. I'd Aren't those strange? Yeah. I should, I've never even looked up to see how rare they are. Like Ronald, what do you even Ronald wear with Donald. those? <laughs> <Ronald> <laughs> Donald's I know. Yeah. I know. That's like, I didn't, I mean, like, as if LeBron couldn't be any cooler. Like, then his one sneaker is a Family Guy <laughs> sneaker. And it's crazy because he's like a good guy, and Family Guy is kind of like a degenerate show. It's, it's, it doesn't seem, seem so incongruous <laughs> with his like stellar, like shining character of like the pinnacle man of our time. Yeah. That just makes him even cooler. LeBron recently did um, his three favorite cereals. I know the Fruity Pebble Pack um, yeah, came out, actually, yeah. He did? Yeah. I'm going on, I'm going on, uh, I'm going on eBay. Right now, and you cannot stop me. <laughs> um, are we seeing how much they are? LeBron family. Yeah, I'm really curious. I've never heard of those shoes. Ever. I mean, I just want to see if they exist, or maybe there's just one pair. No. Shoe doesn't look like it. No, I don't see it. There are all these, like... What Family, other Family Guy ones. I mean, I think it's a really rare, rare, weird, weird thing. Yeah, it must have been like one of the 
super limited. You can do Family Guy Jesus. Nike. I don't think it's. I don't think it's there. There are this. Mm. There's a Dunk High Quagmire Premium. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a Quagmire shoe or something? Does he wear that? I don't know. It's still I'm not ugly. interested in that. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? They're still ugly. I'm like not as interested in like dunks of every different color. I, it's like I think it's a great form of expression. But with this shoe, my, I was always looking for like doing something from the ground up, and that's so like I'm not interested in reinterpreting a classic. Um, I think a lot of people are doing that in a great way, so I don't I don't like I don't feel like the need to do that. Right. But and like my thing with with Nike or if I'm ever working with with a with anyone else and is is. It's used to define the collaboration as something that neither could have done without the other. That's the only reason to collaborate. Mm. Super, super forces. And how did the collaboration come about? Uh, this is out of a, many years of uh, 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 bickering back and forth with CEO Mark Parker about my problems with with, uh, with making things in a mass scale. He, Long story short, we got many arguments and interviews and stuff and friends. And he said, if you think you can go, you can do better, why don't you try? And so it was like his challenge to me, and I did the best I could. Did you expect the outcome you got out of it, the attention and the, the amount of, you know, want know. that people? I mean, that is that has kind of overshadowed the uh, achievement of the shoe in some way. So I didn't really expect it. I don't really care about that. I'm glad people are so stoked about it. I'm frustrated that there aren't enough of them. Um, uh, I know it's awesome. I know it's it's really good. Um, everything I work on is really good only because I will not stop until it's perfect and I think the difference is that you just that with the studio here is we do not stop until it is perfect. And what perfect is is super subjective but rarely does it come easy. And just by polishing and obsessing and staying up all night and not giving in and not giving up and saying and and saying yes when everyone else in the chain says no. And they say, we can't do that. And I say, yeah, you can. And then like figuring out why, including when being confronted by people in the industry who, who, who it's their job to know is, is learning around them and like learning more because there are no experts. There are just people that can convince you that they're experts in a court of law or in a, or in a, or in a, in a design discussion. But you know, the athlete who trains hard um, will beat the athlete who's naturally gifted. And, and, and the artist who um, who um, works hard is much more likely and is passionate and inspired is always more likely to succeed than the one who just has natural gifts because that's just like talent. The only thing that you can, the only way you can succeed is by hard work. Can we expect any future, any more collaborations with Nike on I any other so. level? I hope so. I'm working hard on them. I hope that it all works out and um, Donald T Trump doesn't blow up the planet, so <laughs> we get to experience um, sneakers. Go to Mars. <laughs> yeah. Um. <coughs> <laughs>
give up the not. next one. Hope next not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually wanted to know if, yeah. if you could travel to any planet, what would it be? Would it be Mars or? Uh, no, I'm just really interested in exploring all the crevices of this planet. I, you know, there's so if this planet is so vast, and I'm, I'm, I'm really just focusing my extra travel that I don't need to do to survive on the beautiful islands of Japan and Jamaica. If mm. I could just explore those two islands, I would be really happy because there's a, each one of those has a whole lifetime of things to experience, and um, they really represent like the pinnacle of human experience in my view. Learn more about them. Yes. Yeah, so just really quick again on the shoe. Like to me, I feel as though this is like my everyday sneaker, mm. and it's just because it's just so comfortable. Like, yeah. Um, I was actually That's talking to um, Europa and back off Instagram. Oh, you were? We connected. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. And I, I just had He's to let awesome. him know. Awesome. I love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Martin, know. what's up, Martin? <laughs> Are you listening? We love you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. He just has like, a deep respect, and it's just like I, I love when he has a post, and I just like really get into it. So we talked about the shoe, and he, his question was, "Why are they so magical?" That was literally his question. Mm-hmm. We went back and forth, and that was the only one that like we really both agreed. I don't know. I mean, I hope it's not just all the hype that you can't get them, but I, I, I think they're cool because they don't have any, any artificial coloring or flavors. Like, all the colors there are the native colors of the materials. Except for the stripe, which is the part of advertising. So I've made it a high-contrast thing. What is this? Is it Nike's? Yes, it's red. It's a big swoosh as well, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, and it's the big swoosh. Yeah. And um, the donning straps to say, this is how you get inside, this is how you get inside this, this babe. You pull those things and you put your foot in. Yeah. It's like the little indicator. Also, like, I feel as it's really breathable, too. So, like, whenever I'm just, like, just rocking it, it's just, like, it feels better. than it. It's more breathable than Air Max, honestly. Like, I'm looking at the forces right now. Like, the little eyelets on it are not as breathable as it seems. But with well these, one thing, One thing you can do when you go into a, sh- a shoe store is you take the shoe and you put it up to your face. People are going to think you're smelling it. But you put your mouth over any part of it and you blow into it. Mm. And then you suck. And you can feel the air moving through but in in like the shoes that you're wearing what are, you, what are these called again these are dark force. force when i always get them confused sorry yeah there if you blow and suck on anywhere except for the toe not no no air will move it will just be sealed same with the leather i'm wearing it's, it's raining out i'm wearing leather hiking boots um you're wearing new balance just the toe area those sambas my my love I lost love sambas. If you anywhere in that is totally unbreathable. People think that leather breathes. It's it's a lie. Leather absorbs moisture in a way that's similar to your foot. Cause it's leather and skin. It's like kind of close compared to polyester. But so you feel like they're breathing, but really what they're doing is absorbing mo- moisture a little more quickly than like uh, plastic, which doesn't really absorb moisture. So. So is that what you do when you go sneaker shopping? I always do, especially and 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 when <laughs> and what's de- deceptive is sometimes you'll see vent holes, but it's often backed with a liner for structure to make it cheaper to make or more durable or whatever. 
So sometimes there aren't even holes. And even though that you're saying Air Max, right. so, like that's supposed to be a really breathable running shoe. But if you look, like there's a lot of those stripes and stuff block yeah. airflow. I can't go a day wearing them. They're disgusting. Yeah. You look, it's embarrassing, right? You yeah. look at your shoes, you're like, ah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like that. It's not you, <laughs> Anthony. It's <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Just check it. Uh, but I also do really appre- appreciate, like, I don't know if this is leather, but it feels like a baseball bat, like around the trim in the back. Yeah, it's, pig, it's pig skin. Pig skin. That's why they're expensive. Wow. Yeah. Pig wow. is great. Pig's in fantastic leather. Yeah, it's really durable. Yeah. So, yeah. Pig's soft and it's, yeah, it's suede side out. How long was the creation process for this shoe? It's like, you know, I, I got to say, it, it's a long time. Thi- things are slow when you do, when you work in industry, but um, like everything else, it was pretty quick because I'd spent a lifetime before in preparation. So like uh, all the sculptures in the studio have that same transparent quality where we paint the wood first and then cut it so you see the cut. In the same way, th- these are all the natural materials. Like we don't really... We didn't stain any of that, so that's natural polyurethane for the midsole, natural rubber for the toe. That's the color that nylon comes in for the laces. But did you already have an idea, like, if I ever have a Nike shoe, I'm already putting pigskin inside, I'm already doing this. Like, um, you already yeah, kind of know. Yeah, but we didn't do that idea. Oh. I had an idea. It was a di- That one didn't work out, but hopefully that one will come. So I, that was – this was something that was just sort of best practices. We were just trying to do something that was, like – more part of the regular system wasn't some freak show new invention this is largely normal stuff it's not a super exotic shoe i mean there's some things that are special about it but it's not that different from the internationalist right mm-hmm. a couple of things are different i really i do appreciate the colorway you know it's, it's really easy to wear it's yeah. nothing like out, out of the ordinary it like fits in with like your uh, rest right. of your outfits with everything yeah. else yeah all black yeah even if i'm wearing like a suit or anything it kind of just know it just shows that you little unique touch yeah you go with it yeah. um so at space camp uh, that's actually where i was able to acquire the sneaker yeah you earned it yeah and <laughs> it was a really interesting process i loved it a lot because i appreciate the art form of like you know everything that you've done from just the whole procedure of like the whole indoctrination program and watching the hero's journey. I thought it was really interesting and really ambitious, especially like from on your part and Nike's part. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, from watching the movie to getting apparel to actually training and working to like the whole mantra of like the indoctrination process and then acquiring the shoe at the end was like a, <laughs> a quick turn. I was <laughs> like, am I going to get it or not? Or like, you know, I have to climb a mountain. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you got it. That's yeah. the, you had the true, full, complete experience. Yeah. We covered a lot. Um, but I did want to close it off by asking, uh, how's being a father changed your work and the way your perspective on work? And Too soon to tell. All right. <laughs> but, but it's the best thing that's ever happened. So um, he's incredible. Guy Louis Armstrong Sachs. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Sarah, for making him <laughs> Sarah Hoover, world-famous badass, my wife. Well, Tom, thank you so much. I w- let's end hey, it. My pleasure. Yes, and I want to end it off by saying thank you, and if you could give one thing that 
people don't know about you. Something that the general public does not know. Something funky, a little talent you have maybe. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I'm a scientist. I was raised that, but I don't do that anymore. Uh, that I'm secret. Um, I don't know. That's a toughie. I think I might have to keep that a secret. <laughs> I guess, I guess, like, if I'd be able to prepare, I'd be able to think of something. Um, uh, let's see. Secret. Um, uh, yeah, I gotta think about that a little bit more. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. It was a pleasure having you on the show, and uh, beautiful studio. Thank you for well, everything. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thank out. you. Thank you guys for. Thank you so out. much. Well, this is Saturday Radio, episode thirty-four. My name is NKNX. Abar. Thank you so much and enjoy your day. Girl, I'm down, I love my knees. Say, darling, won't you sing for me? Can we bleed at lovers' play in the morning?